we're excited to have them in the house because they are part of, uh, they're international partners and part of a ministry called Good News Ministry that reaches into Europe, specifically Italy, but beyond there and even into Northern Africa. Listen to this highlight because if you haven't met them before, this will give you a little taste of what this family's about. At Good News Ministries, our passion has always been to know God intimately and reach as many people with the gospel as we possibly can. Isn't that cool? That is why we are passionately proclaiming that Jesus is Lord in Italy and throughout Europe. And if you haven't met Pastor Morrow, you're going to be, you're going to be moved this morning. You're going to want to be drawn in and experience more of what their whole family is doing, what their ministry is. Pastor Morrow, come. You're a pastor to pastors. You're a pastor to Bible college students. And I just want to have the uh, privilege to pray over you before you bring the word again. All right? You ready? He's going to ask you if you're ready, so I want to make sure he's ready. ready. Father God, we thank you for this brother. Thank you for his heart and his passion. Thank you for Connie as they walk as one, as a team. Thank you for their family, God. They're immediate, they're extended, their faith, family, and team. We ask you to continue to pour your presence over them. May you anoint Pastor Morrow in increased measure for the word that you want to deliver right to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now, my friend, before I leave you. Buongiorno. Yes. Ciao. Bello di mamma, bello di mamma, bello di mamma. Vieni qua, ma bello, ma che bello qua, bello, bello di mamma, bello. Now, did I get, did I get red this time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for your love, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Glory. I know you all want to do that. You can't. He's your pastor. But I do that on your behalf. Well, good morning. It's good to be here. Uh, when we come to Koinonia, we come home. We're enjoying our time with our decade, 40-year friends, uh, Pastor Steve and Beth. And uh, we, we thank God for uh, Pastor Brian now, and we look forward to a good relationship with him. We, we want to start a new tradition with him to go to lunch and the kisses and all that, and I don't want you to call me honey. That's for your wife. I draw the line at that, okay, but, but you know, the hug, the hugs, and the kisses, and, and uh, we're your missionaries to Italy. We have been for decades, and uh, we are really your missionaries to Europe and Northern Africa. Italy is the hub, and uh, by the grace of God, we've We've uh, started four churches there. We oversee a ministerial with 50 ministers, 50 pastors, which uh, just last year we were able to get it recognized by the government. So that's a great, uh, great victory, a huge victory. And, uh, and, uh, and, and then we have three Bible schools. We just opened up a Bible school in Rome in January which was a huge goal because of the importance of, uh, of the strategic importance of Rome in Europe and even around the world. And uh, by the grace of God, we've translated 60 books now, 60 book titles by different authors. We started out with uh, Kenneth Hagan, but then, and Jerry Savelle, but now it's also uh, Carolyn Leaf with, uh, who switched my brain off. It's uh, Joyce Meyer. Connie has permission to translate Joyce Meyer books, which is, these are all miracles. These are doors that God is opening. And uh, we're going to continue, with your help, our influence in what is now 
the dark continent on this planet. The spiritually dark continent is not uh, uh, India, is not Africa, is not South America, it's Europe. Because uh, in South America, there's great revival. Some of the largest churches in the world are in the continent of Africa, are in sub-Saharan Africa, has some of the largest churches in the world. And uh, a lot happening in China. There's uh, tens of thousands of Chinese coming to the Lord every single day. And uh, so we thank God for that. But the one continent where there's least happening spiritually is uh, Europe right now. Less than 2% are born again. And uh, so, you know, don't think of missions like 40 years ago. You know, some, some trip uh, 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 down uh, uh, in a forest somewhere. Don't think of missions like that because missions has changed. Like I said, the, uh, the, the, the place on earth that needs most missionaries and most evangelism right now is, uh, is Europe. And of course, Northern Africa, which is still uh, mostly a Muslim uh, stronghold. And so we're strategically positioned right in Italy, in the heart of Italy. Um, can you get the map up, even though it's like the, the second last or third last slide or something? And, oh, they're so wonderful, right there. So here you go. This is the world that God has sent us to. So uh, Spain and France and Switzerland and Italy. You see this beautiful boot-shaped country, the center of the world, <laughs> right there, right? And then Germany, Austria, Hungary, Romania, all the former Yugoslavia, and uh, Turkey and Greece. We, we pioneered a Bible school in Greece, too, which is now run by, by Greeks, obviously. That's the plan is to uh, start things and then uh, oversee the locals running that. And then, of course... Uh, over into northern Africa, which is, which, is, which is really neglected by missionaries, you know, in the sense that there's a lot of missionaries in other places other than this. But look at how strategically we're pay, placed. So Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, Libya. Think of Libya, Egypt. Think of Syria. These are nations that are in the news in Canada every day. You, know, you think, why should I care here in, in Bloomingdale? County of Woolwich, is that how you pronounce it, right? Why should I care? Well, because what happens there affects the whole world. And God is a good uh, strategist, and so, you know, he will raise up people in Bloomingdale, which most of the world has not heard of, which is positive, right? Because, you know, they say, well, we're going we're gonna to hinder you from going. We're going to cut off your funds. Well, you know, my funds and my prayers come from Bloomingdale, and I'm not telling them they don't know where it is. I'm not telling them, right? And that's how the partnership works. And the great thing is that even though you're here, every person that we bring to Jesus and every pastor that we raise, every plant, every church that we plant, uh, you know, these are not catchphrases. You one day are going to get exactly the same reward that Connie and I does because in God's eyes, uh, you can go uh, or you can send someone. And if you send someone by helping them, praying for them and supporting them, uh, you get exactly the same reward as the one uh, that's on the field. I think it's a little unfair because I'm doing all the work and you get the <laughs> reward. But, hey, who cares what I think is fair or not? You know, I think I should get a little more. I'm not saying you shouldn't get anything. I'm just saying I should get a little more. 
Because I'm the one doing it, you know, you're not on the plane and all that. I am, you know, playing with the turbulence and everything. I'm doing, but, hey. <laughs> Boy, yeah, that's not a good marketing technique, by the way. Did, did, our offering, did our offering just drop, Connie? Did I do bad? See, this is why I'm telling you, from now on, you know, I, I should just teach the word. Because I still get in trouble, but a lot less. And, 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 you know, and then, and then I know how to get forgiveness from when I'm teaching the word. And, and you should just do this part. You should do this part. So, anyways, plus you're a lot prettier than I am. So, there you go. All right. <laughs> Glory. Amen. So, that's uh, what we're doing. That's who we are. We are your missionaries to this part of the world. Over here, I'm going to tell you one last uh, thing, and then we'll get in the word. Uh, earlier in the year, I did a conference in Malta. Malta is a, a beautiful, anybody ever been to Malta? Or you know something? There you go, see, beautiful. It's an island, city, state, right? And uh, look at this now, Malta, okay? There was a man from Tunisia that came. This is Tunisia here, over to Malta. And I've been praying for Tunisia for years. I don't know anyone in Tunisia, I don't know anything. And there was a man that came, and uh, he was a teacher of the Koran. And then he got born again, spirit-filled, and now, you know, he's wanting to start a work in his home for Jesus. Now, see? Now, this is how it works, right? Because I don't, you know, so as soon as I saw him, I did know you know, I've been praying for you. I've been praying to meet someone because I've been praying for Tunisia. Obviously, my first question was, how did you accept Jesus? You know, I was fascinated by that, you know. And he told me a story. And then he said that he started a Bible study. And you understand, you know, uh, 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 it'd be difficult to just go there. The government, Tunisian government doesn't let you, just let you, you know, do a Bible study somewhere. Rent a hall and do a Bible study. But... If I work through a Tunisian, I definitely can. Because, you know, I'm going to go over and see my friend Nasir in Tunisia. And then while I'm there, hey, if you ask me to teach the Bible, you know, <laughs> you can't say no to a friend. <laughs> right? And that's how it works, and that's how God works. Amen? So I already told them, I already told them, uh, you know, that we're going to support the Good News Ministries. Because that's what we're called to do, Right? If you were to try to get some funds or help over directly to Syria or Libya or Tunisia, you wouldn't even be able to because of government restrictions, right? But because we're based in Italy, it's so super easy. When I go to these places and I use my Italian passport, they never suspect I'm a preacher. <laughs> oh, welcome, welcome to our country. Rome is beautiful. Welcome, welcome here. Like that. You know, they think I'm just teaching them to make pizza or something, you know. But, and I smile and I say, yeah, yeah, sure, great, yeah. And I don't lie, I just, you know, then I go visit my friend and then we do business for God, amen. So that's the strategy. And so we want you to think of us as your missionary hub uh, to Europe, a continent that needs the gospel. And uh, of course, to where we can reach out to some of these uh, difficult, difficult places to get into as uh, Canadians and Americans. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your help. And we appreciate your continued prayers, your continued help. Mark chapter 4. 
Let's get in the Word now, and let's get busy and see what do you do. Well, I'm going to show you what I do now. <laughs> We're just going to do it. Amen? We're going to proclaim Jesus like Pastor Brian said. We're passionate about bringing people to Jesus. And so let's get in the Word. And uh, a familiar, familiar passage. This is uh, uh, when Jesus told the disciples to go over to the other side. He had just finished teaching the parable of the sower. And he said, let's go over to the other side. And while they were going to the other side, a storm arose that threatened their lives. And Jesus calmed the storm, and then they actually got to the other side. And the other side was Gadara. Uh, you, you, you read that. You have to keep on reading, though. You can't stop at the last verse of Mark chapter 4. You have to go on to chapter 5. The next chapter, the first verse, said that they came to the other side, and they came to Gadara. And you know what happened at Gadara? There was a man that was possessed with legion. Jesus set him free, and there was the whole area opened up to the gospel. And so let's look at that passage and uh, see what life lessons we can learn. Amen? Father, thank you for these wonderful people this morning. Thank you for these few minutes that we have to reflect on your word and to study your word. Father, thank you. Open our minds, open our hearts. Help us to see your word, understand your word. And Father, help us to apply your word to our life. And to the situations that we are facing, in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start with verse 35 right at the beginning when Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. So Jesus had just finished teaching, and then he tells them, we're going over to the other side. These are words that are filled with meaning because the Bible, when we read the Bible, we need to read it slow. We need to read it prayerfully. We need to read it meditating. Otherwise, we're going to miss a lot of things. You know, I've tried uh, 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 Bible reading plans. Bless your heart if you can stay on it. You know, I love the Word. I'm a student of the Word. But what happens if I get on a plan where I have to read 10 chapters from the Old, 10 chapters from the New, and, you know, and, and two Psalms and two Proverbs? Man, I don't understand what I'm reading. It's too much. And then what happens if I miss a day? You're like 20 chapters behind, and three days after, you're full of guilt, 40 chapters behind. And I had an eye said, forget this. I need all this man-made guilt and self-made guilt. And so now, I, you know, it's years that I just read the Bible, I go real slow because it's like a mirror. I want to see myself in it, right? It's, 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 it, there's a passage. It's like a mirror. I look into it. I see the situation. I see myself in the situation. I want to feel what they went through, and then I want to see how I think and how I react when I go through a similar situation. And so for that, you can't just read, you know, 20 chapters a day. I have nothing against uh, Bible reading plans. Like I said before, if you're on it, good for you. I'm just talking, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. But sometimes my Bible reading plan, you know, the Holy Spirit will have me stop on like a verse for a month because I'm not getting it and I'm not doing it. And I like the Word of God to transform me. Amen? It's not just a, a book or a manual. So Jesus has just finished uh, uh, teaching the parable of the sower. And then he said to them, we're going over to the other side. We're going over to the other side. Everybody say, we're going over to the other side. That's the title of our message. We're going to the other side. 
Going to the other side means that from where I am, the side that I am on, I am going to leave and I am going to go to another side where something else awaits me. So reading this slowly and prayerfully and pondering it, immediately we see that these words are loaded with meaning because going to the other side means that we look forward, that we are moving. God is a God of movement. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We have a God who's in motion right away. And in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So even the first verb that describes the Holy Spirit is a verb of movement. We're created for movement. We cannot stand still because we stagnate and crystallize and formalize. And so we want to keep on moving. We want to keep on moving forward. And we don't want to be predictable because predictable is boring. One thing that I've tried to do is to keep our marriage exciting by, you know, Connie never knows what's going to, I suppose she can sense something, see a twinkle in my eye, she'll give me the look, okay, what are you up now? What are you thinking now? But for sure our life has been an adventure following God. And you don't want life to put you asleep. You don't want life to anesthetize you. You don't want just to, you know, life to, 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 to uh, you want to be a protagonist. You want to be in the middle of it. You and God moving towards your future, not just things happening one after the other. And so it's interesting because this Jesus is saying we're going to the other side. So Jesus wants us to go to the other side and wants us to move. And we don't like that. Because we're used to this side, we know what's happening, we got the routine, and we spent years working on this routine, and now you're telling me that just when I figured this routine out, I now have to leave it and go to another routine that I don't know what's waiting for me over there, and I've never done that before, and I don't know, and we're just uncomfortable, and we don't like it. So God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt in the Old Testament, and he brought them to Mount Sinai, Right? And you think, this is in the book of Exodus, he said, I'm going to bring you here and we're going to worship around this mountain. Now, when us human beings hear that, here's what we hear. Finally, we're here and this is it for the rest of our lives. We're always going to do things in this way. That's how denominations are born and that's how we crystallize, right, and formalize. So the old Pentecostals crystallized and formalized on the mountain of the gifts of the Spirit and praying in tongues. And to them, there was nothing else other than that. And then, you know, other than that, you know, uh, if, and if you don't do that, you're right and everybody else is wrong. But then the Baptist, who had a great revelation, crystallized over just a new birth and did not recognize being filled with the Spirit. Ask me what I am today. It's a really long, long answer. I'm a Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, healing, Oral Roberts healing revival, word of faith, teaching movement, blessing movement, because I believe that God wants you blessed, and you know, uh, uh, charismatic uh, and, and, and grace guy. Because I'm saved by grace through faith, and I'm certainly not going to fight with someone. You know, anytime a grace guy fights with you, there's no grace in that. 
Lose your grace right there. Don't fight over grace. I'm saved by grace through faith. There's nothing that I have that I have earned. Everything that I have is by the grace of God. And now I'm a new emergent techie guy. See, I, I, th- 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 I'm a millennial inside in a, in a 60-year-old body. That's why I connect with the young people. These young people, they want me in there because I'm millennial. I went paperless 30 years ago when the first Newton came out and the Palm Pilot, you know. I started to go paperless. I thought, yeah, iPads and all that and time, everything designed for me. I love it. Amen. Finally, I was able, I suffered through the word of faith with the tie and the shining shoes. Finally, I can preach without a tie. I'm not speaking against you if you wore a tie. I'm, telling, I'm talking about me again. I don't like a tie. So let's not tie the move of God to a tie, right? <laughs> don't connect it. You wear a tie, cool. Don't wear a tie, cool, right? The anointing is a condition of the heart. It's based on the heart, not on these outward appearances, right? Amen? And so the other side, we don't like it. Here's the interesting thing. After God said, we go to this mountain, right? And it was glorious. This is thunder and lightning, Mount Sinai. God, Moses went out. God talked to him face to face. He gave him the tablets of the commandments. He spent so much time with God. He would come down from the mountain, Moses, and he was so, he reflected the glory of God so much that he had to cover his face because people couldn't look at it. In other words, he spent so much time with God that he glowed in the dark. Can you imagine glowing in the dark? It was glory. Who wants to move from that? We're going to be here forever. That's how we think, right? Man, this is good, you know. And you think about, you know, Jesus on another mountain, significant. Mountains are significant, you know. Uh, He transfigured himself and Elijah and Moses and, you know, and they have a conversation with with the whole Old Testament. The Old Testament is the law and the prophets. Moses is the law. Elijah is the prophet. Jesus is New Testament. He's having a conversation with the law and the prophets the old old testament wonderful stuff just all inspired just stay with it and shut up peter butts in nobody asks him anything nobody asked him anything he butts in says man this is so good let's just build a tabernacle here let's stay here forever jesus said no we gotta go we gotta go preach in other places we don't like that so the same god who said you know stay here forever just 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 a year and two months later in Deuteronomy, he says, okay, you've been around this mountain long enough. Now we're moving on. You want to say, God, come on, please. I just got used to this. I just got used to the ritual. I just got used to doing things this way. Why are you moving me on? Huh? In these past two years, there's been a great, time of transition my friends are in transition you know pastor steve is in this church is in transition so you know and and we never we never had breakfast two years ago we did not have a breakfast with all the pastors and say hey steve hey hey this and hey why don't we just go through a transition it just happened because we're listening to god and god is doing something He's moving us towards something. And these transitions are happening in the body of Christ. You know, where we start to ask ourselves, like, are we effective? Are we reaching people? Can we be more effective? How can we reach more people? 
right? And they're happening if they're, because the body of Christ is made up of people, they're happening in our lives as individuals too. Isn't that right? So you're going to find something, you know, that you can hang on to in this message as far as transition goes. But we want to grow. We want to move on. We want to go to the other side. Everybody say we're going to the other side. Do you believe that? So in verse 36, right, they notice it says that they left. Because to go to the other side, we have to leave some things. We have to leave the old way of thinking. We have to leave the old way of doing things. Right? Now, please don't go home, husbands, and say, hey, I heard the sermon and I got to move on, wife, and it's time for me to get another wife. Or don't say, well, you know, Pastor Steve is no longer pastor in this church, and so now the pastor binds to her, I'm not coming anymore. That's not, that's not the change that I'm talking about. Right? But we have to leave old ways of thinking because new ways of thinking and new ways of doing things, it just means this, that if Pastor Brian, uh, you know, comes up with something that he wants to do and he will, you know, and he says, okay, we're going to do this this way right now. It's no disrespect towards the old pastor that was here before and it don't put the brakes on, you know, discern that it's God and move on and flow because when God told them to move to, from Mount Sinai and he said, that's enough, now we're going here, it's no disrespect to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was God, right? But so is moving on. Isn't that good? Yeah. Amen? So we got to be ready to leave. And then it says, what's the next detail that it says? It tells us that Jesus was in the boat. Now we're going to move on to the storm now from, you know, the thought of transition and so on. We're going to move on to the thought of the storm and the difficulties in life because storms represent difficulties and problems in life. And it's good to know right from the start that no matter what problem or difficulty we're facing, what storm we're going through, Jesus is with us in the boat. <clears throat> sometimes it doesn't look like it, sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but he is. And then look at the other detail in this verse. It's not just Jesus in the boat. It also says, what else does it say at the end? Other boats were with them. So it's a great thing about our journey in God and journey in life is that not only is God with us, but other people are with us too. That means this, that we're not alone. It means that no matter what we're going through, other human beings have gone through it. Details may change. Intensity may change. How you feel the pain may change, but other people have gone through it. I'm always amazed when I counsel at the number of people that come in Connie's and I in, office, in our office through these years really trying to convince us that their problem is unique and has no solution. It's amazing to me. So they'll come in and they'll say, hey, you know, so I, I just start to quote the Bible. I say, you know, I get it. I understand. We all feel pain. We've all gone through trouble. But you know what? God is with you. Oh, you just don't get it. You don't understand. You don't care. I think I'm going to try a new technique. The next time somebody tries to convince me that they're all alone and their problem is unique and nobody else has had it and it's unsolvable, I'm going to look straight in the eye and say, man, you're right. This has no solution. <laughs> you know why I haven't done that? Because Connie won't let me. 
It's the only reason. In fact, I'd like to add, you know what? As you're describing the problem, I heard a thump in heaven. God fell off his throne. I had a vision. God fell off his throne and said, my God, this has the... He turned to Jesus and he said, we didn't cover this on the cross. How could we forget your problem? I'm just thinking of doing it. I'm not going to do it. There's a lot of things. Look at me like that. I'm a nice guy. There's a lot of things I think to do and I don't do because my wife won't let me. But I'm convinced that would get their attention. Then after I got their attention, maybe I can get through to it and say, of course, you're not alone and God is with you. Amen? Amen. And then in verse 37, here we go now. Here comes a start. Fasten your seatbelt. A great windstorm arose. So here's what's happening, right? We're going to the other side. We're changing. We don't like it. It's uncomfortable enough. I'm on your side. Many times I told God, hey, can we just leave it at that? That's enough. The challenge of change is enough. No. On the way to something that we don't know, we're not, gonna, we're not sure how it's going to work, what it's going to look like, there's also problems. I don't know. I don't like it. What, didn't Jesus, didn't he check the weather network? Didn't he get a GPS or something? Right? I'm on your side with this. And this is not a small problem because the New Living Translation says that uh, it was a storm, New Living Translation, a wind of hurricane proportions. Do you see that? A wind of hurricane proportions. So it was like really dangerous and they were dying, big waves, lots of wind, and, and the ship is taking in water. So here we go. We're going somewhere that we don't know. We don't know what it looks like. We're dealing with the unknown. We got change coming. And that's already stressful enough. Now on top of it, we got challenges. Now I'm distracted because I got to deal with surviving this storm, surviving this problem. And if that were not enough, and it is enough, The next verse, to add insult to injury, Jesus is sleeping. I'm going somewhere, I don't know what it looks like. I have to deal with the anxiety of change. There's a storm in this problem. And to boot on top of it, God is asleep. And I spent all my faith years memorizing the verse that God never sleeps nor slumbers. But apparently, he seems to take a nap when I need him the most. Hello, God. I'm drowning. Now I know I'm in Bloomingdale, County of Woolwich. You You don't have these issues here. You've never been in a situation like this where you're going something, you're obeying God, there's a storm, there's difficulties, and you call out to God. And it seems like he's doing nothing. So he says, this is not fun. 
what do I do now? <laughs> so he says, let's do this. So he says, the disciples come and they scream out. They say, hey, don't you care? Now, wait, this is funny because the wind doesn't wake Jesus. The waves doesn't wake Jesus. Don't wake Jesus. The water coming over this, but the screaming disciples do. They're freaked out. Hey, don't you care? See, and this is exactly when we start to get in trouble. Is when we start to question like this. I'm all alone. God doesn't care. God doesn't love me. Don't you care? I'm all alone. God, where are you? God, why? God, why? God, why? Why? Why, God, why? Why, God, why? You know that if you will dwell on that, you will talk yourself into this, that God doesn't love you, God doesn't care for you, God has abandoned you, and you're out of the will of God. And this is not a minor reaction. This is the go-to, default uh, reaction by most Christians when something unexpected happened. They say, why? Why? And then even a worse question is, hey, why me? Why me? You realize how selfish that is? Why not you, you ugly thing, you? <laughs> what do you think you are, above the problems of life? <laughs> you know, I'm thinking of the people that I follow. For example, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember them? They didn't want to bow. Nebuchadnezzar threw them in the furnace. Read the passage. Do they ever ask, oh, why? Why me, God? Why me, God? That's a dumb question. Sorry, I said dumb. It's, it's, it, you know, when you dig, but why? That's not going to make you feel any better. Why? Simple why. Because you want to serve God. Nebuchadnezzar is mean and he's going to stop you. He doesn't like what you're doing. Paul and Silas were thrown in prison. Do you remember that? Uh, 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 and you know, at midnight, the they start to sing. Now, I don't see them singing why. They're not singing the, uh, going through a party in the county jail. The man was on a job and to swing, you know. And all. They weren't singing the, the blues, you know. Dun, da, da, dun, da. I left everything to follow Jesus. Dun, da, 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 da. And now here I am tied up in chains. Why, oh God? Why, oh God? Why, oh God? Shoo up. Wait, wait, verse 2. Why me, oh God? Why me, oh God? Why me? Why? Because you're preaching the gospel, you're doing God's will. <laughs> and the enemy doesn't like it. If you will recalculate like this and ask why, 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 you will talk yourself out of God. You will convince yourself that God has abandoned you, that God doesn't love you, 
and you'll convince yourself that you're not in the will of God. Because the enemy can make it look like you're out of the will of God when you're smack right in the will of God. Right? And I believe that straight Calvinism is incomplete. They will tell you God caused the storm. That's false. That is not this passage. What did Jesus do to the storm? He rebuked it. Would Jesus ever rebuke something that God sent? Are you with me? Would Jesus ever rebuke something that God sent? Not possible. Jesus would never go against God. Man is schizo. God is not. We say God will cause you something to get, but you know, no, 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 no. And I'm going to say it again because Jesus would never, if God was behind the storm, Jesus would never rebuke it. But you know what? Strict Arminianism is, is incomplete too. Because Arminianists, because we realize that it's God in us, we're too busy figuring out it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault. That's incomplete too. Because who told them to get in the boat and go to the other side? So they were not out of God's will. They were right smack in the middle of God's will. So here's how you get out of that pickle. You and I need to navigate through life not blaming God for problems and not blaming ourselves. And just because there's a struggle, just because we're in a storm doesn't mean we have to freak out like they did. Do we have to sink just because we're in a storm? We don't have to sink. Ships are made to navigate. The ark was in the ark, Noah's ark was in the worst storm ever. And it navigated fine. I'm telling you this, to try, blaming God will open up holes in your hull. You'll take in water and you'll sink. Ships don't sink because they're in a storm. Ships sink because they take in water. And blaming God will cause you to take in water. And blaming yourself will cause you to take in water. That's a Pentecostal thing. We had Pentecostals come and, you know, they wanted to pray or something happened. They wanted to go to the, to the cemetery to pray over the ancestors to try to figure out, to try to figure out, to try to figure out, you know, whose fault it was. That's wrong too. I'm perfectly comfortable, but, you know, it took me decades to get here. I'm perfectly comfortable to go through something and not have to blame God and not blame myself. Right? So what do you do? Go to sleep like Jesus. I don't think you heard me. I'm going to say again. What was Jesus doing in the storm? You're in a storm? You don't, want to fake, you don't want to blame God? You don't want to obey yourself? What do you do? You know, you say, what, God, what the heck? I'm going to sleep. See, you don't like that. But that's how you're going to be happy. Just Jesus was asleep. And the, the storm didn't wake him. The screaming disciples woke him. Right? And then Jesus is cool as a cucumber, 
I don't know why cucumbers are cool, but that's what they, that's a saying, right? So, and then, you know, and then in verse, the next verse, verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind. He says, peace, be still. Now imagine this, you know, Jesus, figure this right. Jesus was sound asleep, not bothered by the storm at all. I, I picture this. What do you think would have happened if Peter said, you know what, Jesus is asleep. Let's just lie down and sleep with him because there's no way he's going to die. So we'll just make it somehow. <laughs> you know, that's, that's called, in the end, it's called trust. You have to say, I don't get it. I don't understand. But I'm past asking why, oh God, why, oh God. And I'm past blaming me because I'm doing the best that I can to serve you. And so the only other solution that I have is just to go to sleep and trust you. Well, you know, I mean, if we die, we'll all die together. But Jesus is going to make it to the other side. So if I, if I go sleep next to him, I'll make it to the other side too. So he's asleep, not bothered by anything. Listen. And, you know, without any wake-up time. Then at the, you know, when I wake up, I need two cups of coffee to get going. He goes from sound, deep sleep. Instantly. Peace. Be still. The New Living Translation says that he put a muzzle on it. The next verse. And he said to the sea, hush. Be still. Be muzzled. The muzzle is important. You have to put, so that means this, that I'm in the middle of something that I don't understand. I don't know why. I don't want to blame God. I don't want to blame myself. The only thing I can do is put a muzzle on it. You have to put, you and I have to put a muzzle on the whys, a muzzle on the questions, a muzzle and say, Peace, I can navigate through a storm and at peace and joy and all hell break loose against me. All around me. I don't care why. It's just going to torture me. And there's perfect peace and calm. Isn't that great? And then look at verse 41. Now in verse 41, look at this. So, after Jesus, you know, calmed the storm and the disciples were afraid of the storm, now they're afraid of Jesus. And they fear, they go, oh, is this guy right? So you're in a pickle because if you're afraid of the storm and you're afraid, you're afraid of the problem and afraid of the solution. Because we're programmed to just be afraid. So the only way out of that loop is to stop trying to blame God, stop trying to blame ourselves. In fact, stop trying to, find blame at all and just go to sleep right in the storm. Oh, what are you going to do about this? Well, I don't know because I don't understand it, but Jesus is here and he's making it to the other side. I'm going to make it to the other side with him. It's all I know. It's all I know. It's all I know. I don't care about anything else. <clears throat> we doing Okay. Who is this guy? I tell you who he is. He's God, Yahweh in the flesh, who rides on the water and whose voice calms the raging seas. And then here's the last verse that we're going to read. Chapter 5, verse 1. Don't let the chapter stop you. It says, they came to the other side. Everybody say, they came to the other side. See, this is the end of the passage. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. Did they come to the other side? 
So let's see if you learn test time. Are you ready? Was it God's fault? Why? Because Jesus rebuked the storm. What? Was it, uh, well, you say, well, I learned something in the storm. Yeah, of course we do, but that doesn't mean it's God's fault. They learn next time not to freak out and to take a nap with Jesus. But it's different from blaming God. You know, if you're, if you're blaming God, you're not going to resist. You're going to be confused. You can't have a loving relationship with a God that causes problems. He did not make you lose your job. He did not cause your divorce. He did not cause a death in the family. Death is an enemy in my Bible. It's not a friend. Right? Well, so was it God's fault, yes or no? Was it, was it their fault? Why? Because they're obeying Jesus. Jesus told them to get in the ship and go. So let me tell you why. Because there's an enemy. And the enemy was trying to kill them from going to the other side. You know what happened to the other side? On the other side, there was a gathering demoniac. The devil didn't want them to free him. He was possessed with legion. He was freed. And then do you know what the gathering demoniac is? Went, did, he preached. And he converted the whole area to Jesus. Now hold on on the slide. I looked up. Anybody look up what gathering means? I'm a maniac. I look up everything. I looked up gathering. You know, sometimes when I teach faith in Bible school and I give them things, I've learned to document myself because they say, that's too good. Did you just make that up to make us feel good? So I have a slide with, with a copy of my Greek dictionary. Are you ready? It's too good to be true, really. Gathering means the reward is at the end. See, now the passage is clear. There's a reward at the end on the other side waiting for them, right? The reward is God. The reward was revival. The reward was everything. And so I don't, I don't, I don't ask, I don't blame God because it's not his fault. I don't blame myself. Amen? I just look for the reward. I don't even ask why. I ask where. Where's the reward, God? Where's the way out? Where's the reward? It was like that with Job. It was like that in Paul's storm. Sarah, you can get ready. Come on up and give me a hand, girl. Uh, you know, in Paul's storm, do you remember the storm? Anybody remember that? He was on his way to Rome. Shipwreck, what happened on the island? He healed Publius, right? A father. And then there was revival. The reward was the revival on the island. And then you know what? Even though the ship was destroyed, they got a better and bigger ship and got to the other side, which was Rome. You blame yourself, waste time blaming God, you'll drown doing that. Why? Why? You know, you're just waves around. Amen. You okay? Just this thought of not blaming God and not blaming yourself will cause you to navigate a little easier through storms without tormenting yourself. Amen. Father, I thank you for this brief time that we had. I thank you for these wonderful people. Help us, Lord, to apply the word to our individual lives and situations, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, it's a brief time that we had, so I already showed you the map of what we're doing. So again, we thank you for your prayers and for your help. I wrote uh, two books. One is called Fearless in the Light. It's about overcoming storms and difficulties. 
this can be a blessing to you. I get in detail over that. And then the second book that I wrote is called Every Good Thing. You know, we often use the phrase who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ. But seldom do we really dig in there and study. There's 173 scriptures in the New Testament that talk about the great good things that God has deposited in you. Every good thing is from Philemon. Acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. So I've taken all these 173, arranged them in chapter, arranged them logically, and dig through those scriptures like I did with the sermon uh, tonight. And so, this morning, I mean. And so, if, uh, if, uh, if, if you want to dig and study, you know, and grow, it's a good follow-up to this message. Christ is in you. Amen. He's in you. What does that mean? Amen. And so, uh, what does this say? Because I don't have my glasses. There's... Uh, Oh, okay. So we have a deal in the back at our book table, and if you buy the every good thing, then you get the fearless in the light for half the price. All right. Awesome. They do that. My daughter's going to be at the book back. She'll serve you. She'll look after you. And my daughters came up with this, so I wanted her to tell you about it because I think it's a great idea. I wrote the book. I, I write books, but they did this. This was really good. Here, you can be my model. <laughs> so my sister and I designed um, a mug and a T-shirt for the every good thing <laughs> um, because at home it seems like we have an endless amount of mugs and they never seem to be enough so we have these because we all like coffee at our house and as we drink our coffee in the morning nobody really speaks because we need to have a moment with our coffee <laughs> but as you look down at your mug you can read it and it says I have every good thing and one of those things is coffee so <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, girl. Thank and, you, uh, you know, please visit the book table. We have, we have brochure to, you know, paper brochure. We have online. If you want to follow us, do you have the next slide? You can follow us on, on Facebook. Yep. Uh, Max, uh, website is goodnewsinc.org. You can put in Max Gergenti in Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. I'm the only Max Gergenti on there preaching the gospel. <laughs> Amen? Amen? And you can find out what we're doing. After you put your church first, you put your pastor first. And then if at the end of the month you say, you know, I have some seed that I want to sow, please look at uh, uh, what God is having us do. Uh, we have a lot of people that want to sign up for the Bible school in Rome. We can raise up pastors. There's, there's, there's many of them that cannot pay the full tuition. Maybe you can help us sponsor a student. It would be great to put... To, and Rome is not just Italian. There's people from Tunisia. Italy is full of people from Northern Africa now, from Romania, from the rest of Europe. And so we have Romanians, we have Brazilians, we have, uh, thank God, all kinds of ethnic groups. And so, you know, you can help us to sponsor a student or part of a tuition. Or, you know, when we do our campaign and our, and our meetings in Tunisia, you can help me with that trip. There's different ways you can go online and see how you can help all based on how much God has blessed you, God has prospered you, and based on uh, the seed that you have to sow after you put your church first. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening. Please go visit the book table. And we bless you in Jesus' name.